Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Healthy Obsession Podcast. This week, your boy's hot about the blasphemous shit that just happened in the college football bowl selections. Uh, IU yeah, has, I agree. Yes, Chris knows all about the sports. IU has been fucked on a level I've never seen, but um, I don't. You know, as an IU football fan, you know, <laughs> we usually aren't good. And so it's it's been an interesting year to see that. Uh, I've kind of, throughout the day, been in the, uh, in the, I was talking to Chris before we started recording, in the five stages of grief. I have, uh, uh, denial didn't really happen, went straight to anger, uh, skipped bargaining, and now I'm just in depression. So, yeah, I probably won't go into a giant spiel about that here because Chris would have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah, it'll be five minutes of you. So we're going to leave it at this minute intro <laughs> and this little bit of the college football playoff committee can suck my ass, you're dumb, and you gave zero respect to a team that had one of the best seasons they have ever had. And the Big Ten, where the fuck were you? You didn't help us out at all. Fuck you too. But now... It's the Christmas episode, so we're going to just 180. It's officially Christmas. <laughs> we're going to 180 the fuck around that intro and talk about some things that are probably more joyful and happy because, God, I need to talk about that, <laughs> please. Before we started, uh, Nanners had started an unarchived Christmas karaoke stream. Oh, hell yeah. About an hour ago at this point. And uh, that's about the only thing that has made this year feel at all like Christmas. That is she sing so she's singing Christmas songs. Yeah, nice. I think it, I think it was you that posted something in our Discord, uh, the the Gura thing of just her <laughs> busting through the wall and just going, "It's Christmas," and then just leaving. <laughs> that was that was pretty good. Yep. I know. So it's it's December twentieth now, and there, there's there's not a drop of snow on the ground anymore, and because quarantine, I'm not doing anything with family for Christmas. So it's uh, it's been one of those kinds of Christmases where the days just go by, and it's just gonna be another day. Yeah, I know. At least on my side, we're briefly meeting tomorrow with some family to just like drop off gifts. And then we'll be like, okay, hey, bye, we'll get on Zoom later and watch each other open them. So <laughs> it's going to be weird. I think New Year's will be weird too because, well, New Year's is always depressing as it's always a, a couple's holiday and I'm always like, cool, this is great. Love this. <laughs> but, but we're talking about happy stuff. It's the holidays. Yeah, happy. Except for the times when it's not. like All the time. Christmas Carol. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, d- uh, did you raise your hand if seasonal depression? My hand, my hands <laughs> up. Um, I don't know. Did you catch any of the the Hololive English like Christmas stream? I guess you could call it. Uh, I've seen a few highlights, but not not a whole lot. It was pretty fun to watch. Just like Gura and Kiara, just like trying to kill each other the whole time, while the <laughs> the rest of them are like, we're trying to decorate the goddamn tree. <laughs> Would you stop trying to kill each other? But um, big, big ending to a show this past week. Mandalorian season two is finally done. I say finally, unfortunately, is done, and it was pretty fucking great. 
Yeah, and just like the last time we wanted to talk about Mandalorian, I had to binge three episodes all at once. So, uh, spoilers for Mando from this point forward, if you haven't seen season two yet. Uh, I... I I got to watch. I feel like I I picked the best moments to repick the series back up yes. because I got to see uh the first episode where they introduced Boba Fett uh through to the end of the series, which all felt like its own little arc altogether. So it worked out super well. Which unfortunately, I knew going into those episodes, I knew Boba Fett was a thing, and then also for some reason, I'm uncontrollable with Mando spoilers, so I also already knew Luke was going to be a thing. Oh. But the reveals for both of those characters was super cool. Yeah, the I'd say like even if you knew they were gonna show Luke, it doesn't really make the moment any less cool. Because that's one of the coolest intros of a character, like, (laughs) I've seen in a while. That was awesome. And with introducing Boba Fett, it was so understated, because you just see Slave 1 coming through the sky, and it's like, oh, shit, that's the Fett Man's ship. Yeah, and I was also like, oh, they're not going to actually, it's not going to actually be him, is it? And then it was, and I was like, oh, oh, well. I need some I need some info on how the hell this was allowed to happen. <laughs> yeah. And I love that they they let Fett be the original badass once he gets the armor and just takes on the whole squad of stormtroopers. Yeah, well he's more like Clone Wars young Fett where he's like a badass bounty hunter, not original trilogy doesn't have a line just gets hit into the Sarlacc pit. Pathetic Bubba yeah. Fett. <laughs> But yeah, it, but yeah, the the hot news is that Luke reveal. Yeah, yeah, that was I was thinking when they were doing that episode where Grogu is like trying to communicate with the Jedi. I was like, I kept thinking it was gonna be an Ezra tie-in, Ezra Bridger from the Star Wars Rebels animated show, because I thought uh, Ahsoka might use that as a way to one find Ezra, because. Unless they found him since he le- he goes into where that wormhole thing he does at the end of the Rebels. I guess spoiler for Rebels, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> um, th- they tease it that like Sabine and Ahsoka are going to work together to try and find Ezra. So I was like, oh, maybe she's telling him to do that to try and find where Ezra is. I didn't really think much of it being Luke just because I didn't think they would actually bring him in. So then, then when they did, I was like, oh shit, that... God damn, Favreau, that took balls. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a big moment. Now, to say that it looked good would be an overstatement because I don't think young Luke's face looked good at all. I thought it looked awful. Uh, I don't know. I feel like there there's some credit you have to give where the baseline of getting that kind of thing done at all is amazing in its own right. Yeah. Because the the level of technology to pull that off and make it look semi-believable is already fantastic, but it was very uncanny valley. The the face kind of floated on top of the head. The chin did not look good. The chin line was was suspect. I think it was Alana Pierce I saw who tweeted, "Um, I've I've seen deep fakes of me in porn that looked better than that. (laughs) (laughs) What was actually more jarring for me was how they created the young Luke voice because yes. I, I I couldn't help but hear it, – it was like they, they took a voice and they had to modulate it into young Luke, but they couldn't take the robot out of the voice. There was constantly kind of a robotic processing tone 
underneath every line he spoke. Yeah, I think they, and they definitely tried to keep his dialogue as short as possible. I think just because you would have noticed it more if he had long sentences where he was like (laughs) delivering all this in-depth exposition of to why he's there and why he's come for Grogu. And it was just like, just look at the kid, he's telling you. He's, he wants your permission. And so I thought it was it was still handled really well. Some of the technical stuff looked weird and I don't think yeah. hit a hundred percent, but I'm not gonna be picky. It was great. And that's an unfortunate side effect of a property that's lasted as long as Star Wars. It, it, it it's weird to think that Star Wars has already lasted almost four decades since the original came out, and it feels like only now is the series really getting started in what it always could have been. Because it's like, the books were always a thing. The extended canon in that regard was always a thing. But now, all that is thrusted into the mainstream by Disney doing what Disney does and probably eventually beating a dead horse. For now, the property is great. Eventually, it could be shit. But that's not going to be until like 20 years down the line. And we see the same thing with Marvel, where they're not slowing down on Marvel. They've got a decade of constant Marvel content under their belt, and they're not slowing down. So you get these properties that are going to last multiple decades. Actors are going to die, and those actors could very well die in the middle of playing iconic characters. Uh, You know, Chadwick Boseman, Carrie Fisher... Mark Hamill is still around, but he can't do young Luke. So yeah. if you're trying to do stories in times when Luke is young, you can't bring Mark Hamill in for that. So it's going to make the weird kind of gray area where how do you credit that? Do you pay them for that? Is it respectful to do that? How do you tell those stories? I think we're going to see this kind of thing a lot more often. And Disney's probably putting a lot of money into getting that done right because it's inevitable that down the line we're going to see characters probably be completely digitally animated next to live action counterparts. I was thinking that exact same thing when that was over. I think uh, my roommate Jackson and I were talking about that earlier today, actually, and and it got me thinking. I was like, this is the first foray that Star Wars is going into it, but in five years, if they redid that scene, you would have no idea that that wasn't young Mark Hamill. Mm -hmm. It would look, or I said, it would look exactly how you remember Luke looking at the end of episode six, and I think what they'll probably do to get around it some is I bet we don't really see Luke again. That was just like a one-off thing. There might be a series that has him show up again, but it will be late enough to where he will be officially middle-aged and you can recast him and have right. someone make make up it to be like, oh, well, he aged to look like this when he's 40. So yeah. it Or makes if sense. they do a series where he still has to be young, they just make it an animated series. Yeah, that too, that too. Um, oh, I had something where I was going to go with that and it went poof. (laughs) But yeah, it was an incredibly cool moment. And, uh, it, this kind of marks the end of an arc for the Mandalorian entirely. Uh, and I guess now we know why they got renewed for a second season immediately. Third, oh, second, okay, yeah. Like, like when Mandalorian started, it was already going to have two seasons, um, 
And I guess that's just because Filoni and Favreau were like, look, we have the story to tell. It's going to take two seasons. We need at least that to get it done. I wouldn't be surprised if when they started season one, if they weren't even planning on anything after season two. They just want to tell this story in full. Do you think it was originally intended to be two seasons or Disney said break it up into two seasons? Uh, you know, I'm not really sure. I think the pacing was good enough that it was as long as it was supposed to be. Whether or not that was supposed to be a 16-episode season or a or 8-episode two seasons, uh, I, I can't really speak on that. I wouldn't be surprised either way, because if Disney wanted to get that first season done and out the door, then uh, they couldn't have waited around for all episodes to get shot. Yeah, um, but I, I I think the the story is told in such a way that it's it wouldn't be better or worse if it was one way or the other at least. Yeah, because I think it was regardless of what their original intention was, it was written to be in two seasons. Because if you look at how season one ends and the cliffhanger it leaves you on, and then you start the start of season two, those first couple episodes of season two are very much like this is a new season. This is not yeah. like some time a little bit of time has passed. So, I was just, I was thinking about that, and then I kind of was like, well, no, yeah, it was whatever it was yeah. originally intended to be, it was written how we got it appropriately. Yeah. So it what would be potentially it. more jarring is the way that season two was structured, just in uh, how many old characters they brought in. It was a very different tone for the show. It was like season one was a very contained mandalorian story and then season two is like okay it's part of star wars now you know yeah and also hey we have all these other uh series we're gonna do and this is how it's gonna all this is like where you're gonna see characters in this season in other stuff just be ready for that so let's introduce them now so when you see them later you know who they are yeah which uh we got a confirmed other Star Wars series at the end of the finale. Yeah. Uh, did you see that scene, by the way? Yes. I have some thoughts on that because I talked to Jackson about that as well. But you continue. So so at it, <laughs> Mandalorian had a post credit scene, uh, which is nice to see that Disney isn't letting Marvel have a monopoly on that kind of thing. Wasn't really expecting it in a TV series, though. But I skipped through the end of the credits just to see... And you, you catch a clip of Boba Fett and uh, his, I think, ex-Imperial sniper, whose name I forget. Yeah, I don't remember um, her name. She's they great, do though. A, like her. <laughs> yeah. They do a quick raid on Jabba's palace, and they find Bib Fortuna sitting in Jabba's seat. All fat. And they, <laughs> all fat. And they kill his ass. And then Boba Fett sits down on Jabba's seat. And then they announced the title of the new series, The Book of Boba Fett. And that sounds bad fucking ass. It does. Now, this was the thing I was talking about. Because they are going to... There there has to be some further explanation into the significance of what we saw. Because I believe in... And I could be some like super hardcore Star Wars lore person could come in here and tell me I'm wrong. But from what I have seen in like um, Clone Wars, and I don't know how much of it was in Rebels, but from what what they they there's a little section in Clone Wars that goes into more detail about the Hut family, Hut crime family, because um, I think there's a couple episodes where 
the Jedi somehow the Jedi are tasked like Ahsoka is tasked with going and rescuing a baby hut that's I think actually Jabba's son. And so you get more insight into that the Hut Crime Syndicate wasn't just Jabba. Like there were other Hut Crime Syndicates. So to me that means if Jabba died, the Hut Crime Syndicate I do not believe would have died with Jabba. There there'd been it'd be like the mafia. Someone else would step in. I doubt it was whoever that was. I can't remember what his name is. The guy who gets offed. So Fortuna. Yeah. I, my guess is that he just came and squatted in Jabba's place, and whoever took Jabba's place in the hut crime ring was just like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't care. Screw it." Yeah, I mean, yeah, they they could say that like the other huts didn't give a shit about Tatooine, and that's a perfectly fine well, explanation. No, because there's other huts on Tatooine. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. But my thing was like, oh, they just let him take control of the hut, and he, but he's not like running the hut. Hit what Jabba. He's not running Jabba's territory, basically. He's just squatting there and doing his own shit. And so Jabba coming in, or uh, Boba Fett coming in is him going, oh, he's taking over whatever the hell he had. And But now Boba Fett's going to start running his own shit, which would be kind of cool to see. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how they explain how that's going to all incorporate and flow. Yeah, especially if... Uh if the intention here is that Boba Fett is going to start running, um, you know, like a bounty hunting guild out of Tatooine or just in general taking over Jabba's dealings, then it would be a perfect transition to introduce the larger hut underworld. Cause yeah. even if they're like, okay with him doing that, he would still have to negotiate and talk with those people to coordinate his place in the system. I don't anticipate it being that smooth, but that would still be a way to do it. Yeah, I'm trying to I can't remember. Oh, uh one thing I also noticed. So those two the two bodyguards standing next to again, I don't remember his name. Uh <laughs> they're the same race as uh Hondo Onaka. So who is one of the greatest characters in both uh Clone Wars and Rebels. So me seeing them that race is like, "Oh, we're get Hondo's coming soon and i can't <laughs> fucking wait because he is maybe my favorite character in rebels in clone wars well clone wars especially but he's just great because he's just a smart ass and he doesn't give a shit and <clears throat> i love i love every time he's on screen but yeah mando's gonna be a very different show going forward now oh yeah because like people joked that you know it was it was mandalorian but it was also the baby yoda show um, but now Baby Yoda's not a thing. He's gone, at least for a while. So whatever season three comes up with, we're going to be telling a very different Mandalorian story. And honestly, I'm excited. Uh, you know, I loved the the uh, the Grogu like uh, angle to the whole thing. But I am also very excited for the potential of getting to uh, more basic cowboy-esque Mandalorian bounty hunting shenanigans. Yeah, you can definitely see how the last either um do we know when the I already forgot what the other one was. The Ahsoka show and what's the other one uh Favreau and Filoni are doing? The like the Rangers one. Oh yeah, Rangers of the New Republic. Yeah. I'm curious when those will start because those two are clear like they're writing Filoni and Favreau are doing both of them or all three of them. So they're 100% going to have crossover. 
And I'm really interested to see if it's like, oh, they will all culminate in the final season of The Mandalorian or if they will just periodically cross over. And like right. if if like Grogu comes back in the last ep- season of Ahsoka and that's it. But he doesn't show up much again in The Mandalorian. He's, def- he's definitely going to show up again in The Mandalorian. He has to, the way they've set it up. Um, but sh- shifting gears, unless you have something on that, uh, only that the Ahsoka show is tentatively slated to come out in 2022, and uh, I don't think we have a date for Rangers of the New Republic. Okay. Now, the thing that I—this is still on Mandalorian. Um, do you think—or I think you mentioned this. <laughs> Does Grogu get killed by Kylo? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I like, don't think un- so. Unless Grogu comes back later in the show, I feel like it's inevitable that Luke takes Grogu away. Maybe th- this is the catalyst for starting the new Jedi Academy, or he's already got it going. But Grogu is 100% studying at Luke's Jedi Academy, um, which means there is at least the potential that by the time Episode Seven rolls around, Kylo Ren has already killed Grogu in his slaughter and burning of Luke's Jedi Temple. Now, here's the thing I was trying to figure out, and it would probably be better if I just freaking Google it. What is the time difference between the end of 6 and the beginning of 7? I don't think it's that long, like maybe 30 years, but I could See, not tell you that's what I head. thought it was, because it's 30 years. Oh, hell yeah. That's so weird, because Luke seems so old for essentially a 50 year old at the youngest yeah i the i feel like the passage of time has never been a strong suit with the star wars series so that would mean because like grogu's at least at least 50 years old we assume based on how old he would have had to have been to be allowed to go to the jedi temple to where he can function as a being through all of the through all of the uh uh what it clone wars which i believe was i don't even know how long how many years the clone wars was but it was a long ass time and then like 20 years of 6 of 20 years between the end of 3 and 4 so like he's like i said at least 50 now at least. And that's if he was like probably born right when the Clone Wars was happening. Because mm-hmm. he, or he would have been like 20 or something. I don't know. You know number. That race lives for a bajillion years. But then he, based on, basically what I'm getting at is based on how old he would be now compared to 30 years later, he's not going to be like Yoda yet where he can like do some crazy shit. He's right. going to be like the he- equivalent of a five-year-old then instead of like a three-year-old now. Yeah, he might not be a baby, but he's still very much going to be a child. Yeah, but I'm just, I'm thinking of that from the, could he defend himself or get the fuck out kind of thing? Or is he just like he is now, and he's like, Kylo, hello, and then just Kylo just fucking kills his ass. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's totally possible, because I think they were building up that Grogu was especially strong in the Force, as I think Yoda's entire species is especially strong in the Force. So it's totally possible he could have gotten away, but until I see an indicator of that, I'm assuming he's dead. 
Also, the, slaughtered like a youngling. <laughs> the thing that I think they put in there to help make you think that's not the case is because Ahsoka was like, I ain't training him. Dude's got evil in him. He's seen some shit. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, he's. I don't think he's going to stay with Luke for the whole time. Mostly because I think he's going to have some role in finding Ezra. And because Ezra is more of a, a gray Jedi anyway, he might just hang out with Ezra once they finally bring Ezra back in. Mm-hmm. Or they all die. That would be <laughs> weird, but I'd be down to see it. Yeah, I, I would say it's entirely dependent on if they write Grogu back into this new canon. If he's never seen again, I'm going to assume Kylo Ren kills him. Yeah. But if they bring him in later, I have no way to predict that. Yeah. I was talking, one the other thing I was thinking about is, how, do they try to, like, pick and choose some shit in the sequel trilogy to, like, rewrite or give more context to to make it have a different meaning because a lot of the stuff they introduced sucked. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. They gotta. So, like, introduce some new angle as to why... Well, they already, like, Snoke corrupted Ben, and that's what made him go nuts. But, like, get some more background of, like, it wasn't just that. There was some other deeper shit going on. Grogu was actually fucking with Kylo, and Grogu <laughs> forced him to do it. You know, yeah, show me, show me the band aid cannon that allows me to believe that Palpatine got an entire fleet of star destroyers without anybody noticing. Okay, that part's stupid, but the whole uh, Palpatine doing shit behind the scenes as he's dead is actually canon. I think, I think there's a book about that, or about the, his plans for it. Now, whether they actually could do it to the extent they showed in the movies, probably not, because that fleet was like bigger than what the entire Empire had. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm trying to think. Any other, just overall impressions of this season? It was great. I think I liked it more than the first. Yeah, I I think I don't know. You know, this might be a cop out. There were elements of both that I liked more. Uh, I'm very excited to see those elements from season one come back. And I think if they put a good focus on the action, uh, then the show only has room to grow. Uh, I loved being able to see Jedi and show Jedi at their max potential because I think We're just this being show Jedi. had yeah th- this show I feel like had even some of the best fights in the entire Star Wars series. We yeah. didn't see any Jedi v Jedi fights, which will be very cool to see in probably Ahsoka. But the stuff that we did see was super cool, and just being able to see Mandalorians be badasses in live action was awesome, and I can't wait to see more of that. Um, if this had to be the fan service season, then I'm excited to see a season without fan service. Um, I think strip down Mandalorian back to the basics and just let him be a badass, and I'm going to be happy either way. Like he's just a, yeah, have him go back to just being a bounty hunter. But, but it's going to, he's all, he's now completely intertwined in the politics of Mandalore because of the Darksaber yeah. shit. Which, he also doesn't have a ship anymore. That too. Which is one thing that I was, Another thing I was thinking about, I have to go back and rewatch what happens in Rebels because I swear to God, in Rebels, Sabine just gives the Darksaber to Bo-Katan because <laughs> she's like almost an exact thing of like, I don't want it. Take it. It belongs with you. You should be the one to lead our people. And then she just fucks off with Ezra and the crew. I swear that's what happened. I could be wrong and I need to rewatch it. 
Because if that is what happened, I'm curious what happened after that to make one Bo-Katan lose it again. Because we still don't know how Bo-Katan lost it from when when Sabine would have given it to her. Since this happens post that. Um, so I'm very interested to get some of that backstory. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the obvious assumption is that she was beaten by Moff Gideon. But it would be nice to see how and when that occurred. And they kind of hinted at, like, the... After they would have completely defeated Gar Saxon, Mar- which happens in Rebels, Moff Gideon was probably who was put in charge of fully subjugate- subjugating the Mandalorians on Mandalore, and that's probably what led to it. But being able to see that will be dope because when the and Bo-Katan hinted at it, where she was like, "If we would have fought half of this strong, we would have never been subjugated by the Empire." So that's what happened. And I kind of hope we get to see that happen. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, we we do not currently have, unfortunately, any Mandalore-related show announced. So if that's gonna happen, it'll be in Mandalorian. Yeah. Which yeah, I I kind of forgot all about the shit happening with the dark saber. But yeah, that's probably the angle they're taking season three. Yeah. We might we might see the desubjugation of Mandalore. Or yeah, just get an update of where it is post Empire. Who's running it? Because. I have if it's not Bo-Katan, I'd have no idea who it would be based on where stuff was left off in Rebels. So mm. we'll see. But I, I, is that are we have we talked Mandalorian to death? Yeah, I think I think that's about all we could cover from it. Very Just very good show. Pretty great. And if they uh, if they can keep that quality up, I'm. You know, Disney is the worst kind of monopoly because they keep putting out good shit, and I can't be mad. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Mandalorian's the only like high profile original series they've dropped on Disney Plus. Uh, but if they can keep that level of quality up with Star Wars, Marvel, and you know any other other shit going forward, then uh, Disney Plus is looking more and more worth it every day. Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. Which uh, you know we'll we'll get another proof of that in uh, just here in a month when Wandavision finally drops. Yeah, I'll be very interested to see that because I don't have much expectations or like hype driven behind that one. I'm just going to watch it because it'll probably be good. So yeah. it'll be interesting on that one to have one with a lot less, a lot less of a hype train, I feel like, behind it and see how well that still performs. Yeah, WandaVision seems like the kind of show where I'm I'm not a super big fan of either of those characters going in. I have great respect for both of those characters, but neither of them have been super front and center in any property. They've been pivotal, but they haven't been front and center like Captain America or Iron Man. But WandaVision seems like the kind of series that's going to skyrocket at least one of those characters into my top three. Yeah, I, I, well, I say, yeah, I can see that for me, probably not so much. I don't know if that would change if that show has any ability to change that for me, but that makes me no less interested in seeing it and seeing where it goes. Mostly because, yeah. like, I think as we've said before, it's going to give us direction on where this whole phase is going to go. Yeah. And regardless of if it touches at what the main storyline is going to be, we'll still get a direction of how they're going to direct whatever it is they're making and what kind of quality it will be. Which we know it's going to tie directly into the new Doctor Strange, and I'm hoping that there will be a direct tease in the show to Doctor Strange. Yeah. Even if it's a post-last episode's credit scene. I hope it's more than that. I hope it's more concrete than that, but we'll we'll just have to see. Yeah. 
Uh, but, but yeah, that's that's Mando and Disney. Moving right along, that only took a while. Um, <laughs> Chris, you take this next topic because I have not watched this. Yeah, so uh, I guess it was announced, but I think as Nintendo Directs are, it was only announced the day before. Uh, but Nintendo dropped a real quick 15-minute Nintendo Direct where they had Miyamoto, the man himself, walk through some bits of Super Nintendo World at Universal Studios in Japan. And it looked absolutely magical. Like, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> really? The, the, the sets that they had created for that amusement park, it was, it was surreal. Just that how like, much it looked I, like a ga- the game? Yeah, because I had seen the concept art, and I already thought that it looked really cool to, like, I mean, you know, it's it's like Disney World or especially their new Star Wars bit added to Disney World where the whole intention is to build the world around the person in the park. And so the way that all the elements of the Mario world had been crafted into structures and... Uh, amusements feels like a weird word to use attractions because <laughs> uh, it seems like there weren't a whole lot of rides but it was just kind of like a tour you could do with some fun mini games but like you know seeing the enemies and the coins spinning around and the design of the trees uh they had a little toad cafe that served mushroom themed food the they have a bowser's castle that's hiding a mario kart ride it all looked so cool and like they they talked about they it's been so long since I've been to an amusement park. And I have never been to one where the main attraction wasn't the rides. Uh but they talked about here at Super Mario World, you had uh or Super Nintendo World, sorry. Um <clears throat> they give you like this wristband that's uh I think they they probably have four of them, and it's for, like, the, the characters you would play as in any of the Mario 3D games. So, like, a Mario 1, a Luigi 1, a Peach 1, and a Toad 1. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it looked kind of like a watch, where it's just, like, a cheap band with, like, a big circle with the emblem of whatever character you have. And you could go around the park, and you could punch the bottom of question mark blocks. Oh, my God. And then it would send a signal to your watch, which connected to a smartphone app that would keep track of how many blocks you hit and what amusements you had done. Oh and my just God. keep keep your progress through the park because there was so much to do. That's so cool. And he even said that that watch worked like an amiibo, so you could take it home and connect it to games on the Switch and it would have interactions there. They really, you could, they really you could thought walk about into, this. <laughs> you could walk into toad houses and they would do the thing in the game where you can pick the big gift and the little gift and you, 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 you bring your watch up to the screen and it picks a gift and you get like the one he showed was like the small gift that he didn't get was like the cat bell power up, but he didn't get that, but he got a bunch of coins. So like coins are a weird meta currency that you can collect in the park and that's saved on your watch thing. Wow. It, it was so cool. How much did they say? How much it will cost to go there? Because this sounds like it can't be cheap. No, they did not. Yeah, they're like they it's like a hundred dollars a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> they did announce that they are going to be opening three other locations of Super Nintendo World. Wow. Um, didn't di- didn't give a date as to when, but uh, there's going to be one in I think he said Singapore. Uh, okay. And then there's going to be one at Universal Studios in Florida and California. Two of them are coming to the U.S. Yep, one's in Hollywood and the other's in Orlando. Wow. Well, I 
I think that makes sense because I feel like outside of Japan, the U.S. is the biggest simps for Mario. Oh, wait. I don't know if I can say that. We might touch base <laughs> on that at a, later on. There's the there's the tease. But yeah, so I, I don't know how many rides were supposed to be there because, uh, I mean, they, they showed what I could only imagine was a very, very small portion of the stuff available. Um, yeah. They only showed off the one ride, which was a Mario Kart ride, which uh, Miyamoto, talking about it in canon, was like, you, you enter into Bowser's castle, and the lore is that Bowser has built a Mario Kart course specifically to beat Mario. And Miyamoto's <laughs> like, oh no, how Mar- how's Mario going to fare against a course made specifically to defeat him? That's awesome. I was like, you you would ride in a Mario Kart thing, and they didn't show the ride, so I have no idea if it's like supposed to be a roller coaster or just like an interactive ride along. But uh, yeah, it was it was fucking surreal. And huh. and actually, awesome. I should say, even the what one of the coolest things was like they they take you from the front gates into the park. So from the beginning of the direct, there's like a giant warp pipe entrance. Because this is an offshoot of the Universal Studios already there. So it's just a part of a larger park. So there's a warp pipe and Miyamoto walks the camera guy through it. And he was like, you know, when we had to make a really big warp pipe, we had to think about what does the inside of these things look like. So now it's like a canon look at what the inside of a warp pipe is. And when you come out of the pipe, you enter into the foyer of Peach's Castle, which takes direct design cues from Mario 64. Because the, the center is like the, the sun insignia from the middle of the castle that you look up and go to the wing cap stage. And then if you look to the right, there's the painting for Babam Battlefield, oh which God. is like a holographic lithograph thing, whereas you keep walking, it, it like fades and there's a picture of Koopa Kid with his paintbrush from Mario Sunshine inside the painting. Damn. Jesus, that's like so much detail. Yeah, it was so awesome. <laughs> well, I need to go watch this now because I feel like I will just... I mean, I'm not as big a Nintendo fan, I think, as you are or Mario fan. But still, this just sounds like it's more just impressive to see visually than than anything. Like, taking, like, a whole video game world and just, like, literally making it real. <laughs> yeah, plus without, like, a crowd, because it was literally just Miyamoto. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, But without a crowd and without any wear and tear to anything happening in the park, it looked so clean and pristine and uh, just it, it looked like a Mario game. I can like, almost guarantee you the Japanese one will stay looking like that, and then the two in the <laughs> U.S. will look fucking gross within, like... Not not against the park, but Americans are fucking gross and don't know yeah. how to be cleanly. So which is yeah. gonna suck because like if I want to see it clean, I gotta get there soon. <laughs> yeah. But if I go at any time within the first five years of it being open, it's just gonna be fucking packed. Yeah, you're so you get your fast pass or screwed. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, go go check it out. It it looks awesome. We'll and uh, I can't I can't wait list. for it to open in America because I gotta I gotta go. I gotta see it. Awesome, awesome. So moving along. Next, Cyberpunk. We didn't talk about it last week because, you know, priorities. <laughs> yeah. Other stuff, a bunch of other stuff happened. But now, and this will probably be more you, we, well, I'll, we, we're going to comment just on some of like, on how rough the uh, launch seems to have been going. Uh, I say seems to, has been going. <laughs> um R.I.P. And if you have an original Xbox One or PlayStation Four, because 
sounds like the game's near playable, unplayable. Um, I know it's mixed on PC and they've had a lot of patches, but some people are having no problems at all. Other people are constantly finding minor bugs that that not don't necessarily, you know, impact how you play, but can take you out of some of the immersion that you would have in the world. So those kind of things suck. I know you've Chris have played a lot more than me. My computer runs the game like absolute ass. So I'm just kind of decided that I'm going to wait until I can finally get a hold of the new graphics card and CPU I've been trying to get. AMD and NVIDIA, please get more in stock. I, I beg of you. Um, but until then, I'm kind of out on playing it just because I don't want to play it looking like Jello. Um, but what have how have you have you experienced any of these numerous bugs that a lot of other people have found while playing? Uh, not too much anymore. There was a to say a considerable number of bugs would be an understatement at the start. Uh, but. Within a couple of days of launch, they dropped that first big patch, and mm-hmm. that actually did take care of most of the bugs I was seeing. They are still apparent, and probably still a bit more than I would expect from a big RPG title, because I'm, I'm always expecting glitches and bugs from an RPG title anyway. Yeah. Um, otherwise, uh, not a whole lot. Nothing's that's Nothing that's broken the game for me. Nothing that wasn't easily gotten around. Nothing too incredibly immersion-breaking. Um, it has not prevented me from enjoying the story of the game, which I've put 32 hours into the game so far, and I, uh, at least through one story thread, I'm at the end of the campaign. Oh. Because it's not a very long campaign. Okay, that makes um, sense then why some people were saying when it first came out that it wasn't that long. Yeah, there's a lot of side content to engage with, and I've heard that... Uh, an ending you get can be determined based on which and how much side content you engaged with. Huh. So I'm at least before, like, they, they give you this is a point of no return. Do your side jobs now. So so I'm doing that, and I'm at least going to follow through, uh, like, the major side character plot lines before I do anything else. Um, otherwise, it's kind of what I was expecting. It feels clunky. It doesn't feel great to play, and that's a personal note from me. Because I, I said going in for weeks that I was not expecting CDPR to have really good gunplay. Yeah. And they don't. It feels better when you get better guns and when you get used to it, but it doesn't stop it from feeling Fallout-esque in the way the guns handle. It's just not very smooth. The, the driving, I will say, feels better than I thought it would. Huh. Uh, it's still a little weird. It's not as good as Grand Theft Auto, but it's much better than I thought it was going to be. Okay. So that's that's a good point for them. Um, yeah. Otherwise, it still just kind of stings that there's a lot of content that was cut, and there seems to be some stuff that CDPR outright lied about in their PR yeah. for the game. I've been hearing some of that, like stuff about with the with like the cop system, and how like apparently they had published some stuff of like you can. I think Angry Joe is talking about it, where like they had published stuff where like you, there's there would be a system where you can bribe cops to just like look the other way. And stuff like that, but there's apparently nothing like that actually in the game. Yeah, and and NPC behavior in general is incredibly shallow, um, yeah, and that that goes for the cops as well. Um, they they really hyped up 
uh, the life path that you could choose yeah. and was talking about in a big way how that would affect the game, and they really don't. Uh, the life paths, the life paths are unique for about twenty minutes, and then once you like up to the point that you meet Jackie, the side character, that's when any uniqueness for the intro uh, missions for your life path end. At yeah. that point, the game is just the game, and from what I can tell, the only thing the life paths give you is alternate dialogue that does not change the course of any mission it's not important dialogue it's just something for your character to say to be in character and maybe get a little more information about the world but it really doesn't change or affect anything and that's That's fine like that's fine if we just knew that's how it was going forward but they talked up those life paths like they were going to be critically important and for months people were debating about which life path do I want to take what feels more right for me and you know to an extent you could say that that was people hyping themselves up but I do think CDPR had a hand in like giving people expectations about the life paths at the very least being more important than they ended up being yeah, it's a it's a shame. I've heard a lot about a lot of stuff on I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter about you know how much do you think the regular the day to day employees who are doing all the stuff were bringing some of these concerns forward on the bug side and that sort of stuff. Not maybe I don't know how much that would play in like the content that is altered or they thought they could do but didn't. But like how many how many employees do you think were saying, Hey, this just is, it's not working. We need more time. But then, cause I've seen a lot of stuff saying that like upper management is kind of the ones that were just like, no, we're shipping the game. This is what's coming out. So yeah. thinking about that kind of sucks. Cause I mean, I know the team at CD project red does great work in the past. They've done it in the past, but I think it's also a good opportunity to see. And as we've been seeing in the gaming industry, it seems you cannot, take past success as any sort of guarantee from what you will get in a new game and i could even i'm trying to think of a studio that i'm not even going to go there but like you you can name any studio that had a stretch of five to ten years that might have just been amazing that doesn't mean they're not without fault and they can't have a bad release because from everything i've heard yeah but from everything i've heard like once you get into the story, everyone's like, the story's so freaking good. Like, everyone just gets really into it and really invested and wants to see where it goes. But there's so many bugs in actually playing the game that it kind of take, it keeps trying to take you out. Is I'll say is what I've heard as since I haven't played it yet. But Yeah, I, I think it, it should be said that the game is good. I... I don't know if I could say it's really good. That's going to depend person to person. But the game is good. It's just not really the game we were promised, nor in a state of polish that it should have been. Yeah, and that's I think that's fair. And then adding all of that to people who are expecting the game to be the second coming of Jesus. Like, you can't... the, the, The... the expectations some people were – granted, uh, some of it was spurred on by what CD Projekt Red was saying was going to be in the game. But then there are still some people out there I think who took that and was like taking it to an even higher level that wasn't really plausible for us to see in a game. And so you have all of that coming together and 
you know, people trying to be like, oh, it's terrible, the game's awful, but they had these super high expectations going in. And then you have other people who are just like, it's it's really good, but there's just these issues that you can't excuse them for. So it'll be interesting to see how the game changes as more uh, updates come out and patches come out to get it more towards where they had hoped. I, I imagine they hoped it would be when they released it. Um, and the the one bright side is that CD Projekt Red is known for just getting, releasing free additional content. They did a shit ton of it with The Witcher 3. So hopefully we have some other content that can come out to help supplement what was initially meant to be in their release. Yeah, and I think it, this could have happened in any context, but it certainly didn't help their situation that they announced the game seven years before it came out, allowing hype to build. And also, it's based off of a tabletop RPG that the creator of which was well-known for being very picky about how the game would be made. So people were expecting a lot to come from the inspiration of a tabletop um, in regards to things like character creation, life path decision, ways that the story can go, uh, and a lot of that stuff just isn't present here. It's still a very cool world. It's still very cyberpunk, and I'm very much enjoying my time, but it's, uh, it is it is a great tragedy in its own way. Yeah. But, you know, only time will tell to see how they update it. Because that's the thing. I'm hoping by the end of it, like, we get a good game. It, the final product of what we should have gotten at launch is good, which I think it will. It just sucks we have to wait for that. Yeah. And hopefully this will be another franchise and we'll get a Cyberpunk 2, maybe a Cyberpunk 3, and uh, they won't be as bad. Let's just let's just do the Witcher cycle again. Right? Yeah. Because I was going to say, I mean, granted, I don't remember the Witcher as it came out, and games have changed a lot since that trilogy. But like the Witcher 1, I mean, obviously you play it today and you're like, it looks like shit, but that's because the game's old as hell. But, and I don't think there were as many bugs, but... CD Projekt Red has shown that they can take a series through different points and just keep getting better at it with each iteration that they put out. So, yep. Yeah. So, I think that pretty much does it for news we want to cover this week. Um, so, for the rest of the podcast now, uh, this is technically our Christmas episode, and we should do something to make the time feel a little festive, right? Yes. What is one of your favorite christmas gifts you've ever gotten uh so yeah i i i knew immediately i had an answer for this good because uh, i do too it's it's actually still hanging on my wall in fact Ooh. um this is a gift that's probably five or six maybe even a little more years old um i don't fuck around when it comes to giving gifts i give the best gifts oh, right oh. especially to my sister and this year in particular, she proved that she also gives me the best gifts. Uh, this one year for Christmas, she gave me a portrait of Cave Johnson from Portal uh, 2. Uh, I, I, I don't know if that. it's still on sale, but it's from the Valve store. There's a button on the back of it that says Cave Johnson lines from the game. And it's got like the wooden frame and the portrait of Cave on there. And I've had it hanging on my wall ever since. It, it was probably like 20 bucks. It couldn't have been expensive. It looks kind of cheap, but God, I love it. It's such Cave a Johnson, 
Yeah, Cave Johnson's one of the best written characters in video game history. And now I get to go up, push a button, and he'll say some shit about Mantis Men to me? Fuck yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I I always love going over to your place and seeing that thing. And I'm like, oh, you still have this. This is awesome. <laughs> I love it. For me, mine's a, mine's a little more big ticket. Mine's actually kind of like two. But I was fortunate enough one year to get a Xbox 360 for Christmas. And in that same year... I also got Halo 3, and so the main, which could probably sound like a lame thing, but that's because you don't know the story about me and Halo 3. Mostly, that's how we met, so the amount of like time that I put into that one game and the amount of social interaction and friendships that I had made in just playing one, one video game for, Jesus, I mean, we played that for at least four or five years. Oh, yeah, um, we we played that game from launch until Halo Reach, and then even, even after, after Reach came out, we were still playing it. So like, I I've invested hundreds of hours in that. I made lifelong friendships from it, which is still kind of weird to say, but given our generation, that's not that uncommon. Um, it's probably the from that standpoint the best two gifts I've ever gotten. Uh. And it's just kind of weird to think where I might be if I had never got the opportunity to get that and get Xbox Live and meet the people that I did playing games. So I don't really have anything else that could compare to that. So when I was like favorite slash most memorable gifts, I was like, I have one. And don't ask me to say another one because I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I I remember uh, it, it would have been probably the same year for Christmas. Um that would have been 2007. Yeah. It was like a year Maybe. after the 360 had come out. Yeah. So I would have been 12 years old. Uh, for some reason, I was so jazzed on the idea that I could be getting an Xbox 360 for Christmas. Or actually, I might have already had an Xbox at that point. And I, I actually, I just wanted Halo 3 and Xbox Live. Because I was 12 and couldn't buy my own Xbox Live. Yeah, you don't have a job. <laughs> So, so for some reason, there was this big box under the tree. Uh, and, and so naturally, on Christmas Day, that was like the first one that me and Kylie, my sister, had opened because it was addressed to both of us. Um, and I, I tore the first piece of wrapping paper off. And uh, I took, you know, from a corner. So I ripped off some wrapping paper. And the first thing I see is the words Xbox Live. And... And I looked at my sister and shouted, oh my god, it's Xbox Live. <laughs> Which is fucking weird that in, in this enormous box, that the whole box was just a card for Xbox Live. <laughs> That's awesome. And then it turned out to be Rock Band with all oh, the instruments. Nice. Because it was nice. an Xbox-enabled game. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure, I don't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure I had my uh, N64 kid moment when I opened my 360. I just was like, holy shit, because I had, my first game console I had had was a PlayStation 2, and then I think we got a GameCube as a as a family gift, like the, a year after, because GameCubes were freaking cheap compared to <laughs> other gaming consoles. Um but the the PlayStation, I don't think I I don't think I got for Christmas. I might have shit. I don't know. But the the 360 was also where I was like, bro, this is it. I can play Halo Three, or I, I was actually like, oh yeah, this is awesome. I hope I get Halo Three because I have no money because I'm also like a 13 year old and uh, 
And then I got it at a family thing, which I was like, collusion. I like it. But <laughs> yeah, it's. I hope as a 13 year old specifically, you were like, ah, yes, collusion. Well, I, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I put it on my family list because I think I knew. I, I probably, I would have had to have known. No, no, no. I was this cheeky bitch was like, I'm pretty sure I'm getting one. I'm going to put this on my list and see if someone gets it for me. <laughs> because uh, my family's not the big not that into giving video games for christmas gifts i can get it now because they're expensive but back then when they were a little cheaper i was kind of like okay i see you fam i see you (laughs) um so i was really surprised when i got it but um yeah it's it'll be it's i hope people some people can have some sort of moments like that this year because i think we all kind of need some happy cool exciting moment I know a lot of people are doing different stuff when it comes to meeting with family for Christmas, so I'm not at all. But I still hope people are able to give a little something to someone you care about because on a lot of them, you know, it doesn't have to be something big like what I said. Like, Chris, you have that that picture, and <laughs> that thing is so cool. But, like, there's a lot of meaning behind that, and that's, that's what the holidays are about, not getting the biggest thing or the most expensive thing. But the thing, like like you said, when you know someone and you can get them a gift, that you know they will like because there's it's something they're really into. So I hope I hope more a bunch of people can experience something like that this year because God knows we need it. Yeah. Alternatively, uh, is there a gift you have given that you're particularly proud of? Oh, you know I can't think of anything because unlike you, I'm awful at giving <laughs> gifts. Um, I think one year. I don't remember if my dad asked for it or me and my sister came up with it, but we got my dad Catan, which depending on who you are, it might roll your eyes, but he really liked it. And so it was kind of one of those things that it was just kind of cool to get. It was just, whenever you see a gift like that, that someone really into, it's kind of cool. And I think that's, I think I have that right. I might be wrong. That's how bad <laughs> I am at gifts. I don't remember. <laughs> well, that sounds dope. Uh, yeah, giving Katad, that's awesome. Especially if he was super into it. Yeah, yeah. He, we played it a couple times. Um, we had played it at a family gathering before, so like I knew he knew of it. And then either we got we got it for him or I got him a different game, but I can't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> okay. How about you? Uh, I, I remember this wasn't Christmas because uh, for, for the most part – the, the only person that I know super well to give them really good gifts is my sister. Uh, so I remember for one of her birthdays, would have been just a couple years ago, um, she loves playing stuff like D&D, and she always plays kind of interesting, quirky characters. Uh, she plays cat folk a lot. <laughs> um, and I saw on Think Geek one year, there was this, uh, it was like $150 not that the price matters, but just to, to to back up everything that this does. It was like a Technicolor wizard robe. It was like it was like a robe to wear around the house, but it had big long wizard sleeves and a hood, and like every edge of the hoodie was lined with LEDs that changed color and had effects based on doing hand gestures like you were casting a spell. That's wild. And uh, I was really happy with giving that to her. She really liked it. And uh, I think she still wears it around the house. Oh, sweet. Those are the best when you can give them something that is, if it's not something that's consumed, uh, it's something that they hold on to for a while. 
Yeah. Oh, and actually, I I don't think she did much with this because in retrospect, it probably wasn't a great gift idea because she's not super into pins. But she's a big Pokemon fan, and one year for Christmas, I did get her a set of original Johto League gym badge pins. Oh, dope. Yeah, that's awesome. I don't think she did anything with them, but I, I know I, I'm a sucker for stuff that exists in game, and I'm just not sure if she is as much. Gotcha, gotcha. I, yeah, that's that's a really cool thing to do for Pokemon fans, though. That's a that's a great idea. I remembered something else, and this is a lame gift, I think, but I, I only liked it because it turned into a long-term thing. I got my co- little cousin a pair of Minion slippers, and so, like, they're little, so, you know, kids kids grow like freaking weeds so if you give them (laughs) something they wear they probably won't wear it be able to wear it the next year but the next or the following christmas she still she came to christmas wearing the same slippers and i was like those are the slippers i got her last year that's awesome nice but that's That's super cool don't don't ask me to come up with anything else because i can't (laughs) All right. Well, just one more thing to wind down the podcast because we're at about an hour now um, because I got to tie it back into pop culture in some way. Do you have a favorite Christmas movie or maybe even something that you like to watch around this time every year? Yeah, Die Hard. (laughs) Just kidding. If you think that's if that's your favorite Christmas movie, get the fuck out of here. It's an action movie. Get better Christmas movies, idiot. It's where I am on people thinking Nightmare Before Christmas is a Halloween movie. It's a Christmas movie. Wait, is that what I said earlier? <laughs> I think so. I th- yeah, I think yeah so. it's a Christmas movie. It's not a Halloween movie. Um, Die Hard is a great action movie that takes place during Christmas. There you go. You don't. You don't really. Well, they do play Independence Day on the Fourth of July, but that's an alien movie. It's not an Independence Day movie. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I don't know if that tracks. But yeah, my one of my favorites is uh, actually Four Christmases, a rom com with Vince Vaughn. Huh. Okay. Where uh, both him and his I don't think they're actually married. So his girlfriend slash they, I think there's a whole thing in it where they haven't gotten married because they don't want the commitment of being married, but they're basically married. It's weird. It's a whole skit they do in the in the movie. But both of their parents are divorced, and they every Christmas they have a a vacation scheduled so that they don't have to go to family Christmases. And uh, this one year they're at the airport uh, getting ready to go. And there's like a huge fog thing of fog that comes in and all the flights get canceled. And then um, there's a TV crew going, Oh, how do you feel about not being able to go travel on the holidays? And they're dressed. They tell their families that they go and do charity work and they're dressed in like, uh, hawaii clothes and they're just on national tv doing an interview and they just like freak out so then they have to go to all four families houses for christmas and it's just a rom-com so like it just turns into comedic things there's a lot of lines that me and my family quote a lot and then it turns into like oh well what's our relationship and are we gonna stay together and that kind of stuff and i just like vince vaughn so it's pretty it's a pretty fun entertaining christmas movie interesting take i was not expecting least of all probably Vince Vaughn yeah baby big fan (laughs) alright nice Uh, I I would say probably in a similar vein Christmas with the Cranks is kind of a guilty pleasure of mine okay Um, it's it's not my favorite Christmas movie but uh, I do think it's enjoyable 
Uh, and I do consistently go back and watch uh, John Tron's video on Christmas with the Cranks. <laughs> very funny video. Very weird movie. Uh, actually, it was a story originally written by Stephen King, in fact. Huh. I do, You know, I don't know if I've ever seen it. It's okay. That's probably why I haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but my favorite is probably uh, A Muppet's Christmas Carol. That's a good choice. Solid. Because uh, I love the Muppets, and you can't beat a Christmas Carol. Aren't we the only two in our friend group that are fans of the Muppets? Uh, I can't say the Muppets have ever been brought up, so I don't know. I swear they had. Oh, no, no, no. I'm thinking of another group where me and uh, me and my friend are the only ones who like the Muppets, and everyone's like, the Muppets suck, and we have to verbally – not verbally. We have to loudly <laughs> defend <laughs> the Muppets. Which I wonder, Muppets Christmas Carol is probably on Disney Plus, right? I'd be surprised if it's not. It'd be kind of weird if it's not. I gotta get Disney Plus. Oh yeah, you need that login. I got you, baby. Yeah, hell yeah. That family um, login that we. I think I'm the only one who uses anyway. <laughs> and then I, I was thinking if it would be possible to name a favorite Christmas video game, because there's not a lot. Any any video game centered on Christmas is either shovelware or meant for kids. Yeah. Uh, but I do think it's funny that I can at least give the diehard answer, and I could say that my favorite Christmas video game is Batman Arkham Origins. <laughs> you know, I don't think I played that one. That's the well, one I it, didn't play. It takes place at Christmas. There's Christmas decorations everywhere. It's snowing. During the credits, Joker sings Cold Cold Heart. I thought that was in Arkham City was Christmas too. Or maybe I'm just thinking there was snow, so I thought it was Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I think it was just cold in Arkham City. <laughs> oh, God. I'm trying to. I can't even think of games that have a Christmas sequence. Right. Pers- yeah, there's not There's not a lot. Persona 5. <laughs> <laughs> there's a part that goes through Christmas. That doesn't count. Um, no, I can't think of one. Yeah. Yeah, video games, I, I guess probably just because they're so long, they don't ever focus on, like, a specific time of year. They tell more generalized stories. Yeah, unless I they're, can't. Unless they're a kid's game. Yeah, pretty much. Do you think Home Alone is a Christmas movie? Uh, You know, I haven't ever seen Home Alone. What? So, uh, I'm going to say no, because Christmas isn't really the center of the plot. There you go. It's just a home break-in movie that takes place during Christmas. (laughs) Around the time of Christmas, actually. Yeah. And then there's some part on Christmas. But I've not not actually seen Home Alone. That's crazy. That's actually wild to me. You're not not cinema illiterate, so I would have assumed you'd have seen it. It's classic. Look, in this day and age, it's easy to get by fooling people how much you've seen. True. Because I know enough about things to make it seem like I've seen them without ever going into detail. I just figured everyone watched that when they were younger. Because that's when I watched it. I haven't, I don't know the last time I sat down and watched it. But when I'd go to like family gatherings or some like daycare thing, it would always be on. Which thinking about that, that's a weird movie to put on in a daycare. (laughs) Because there's a lot of violence. (laughs) But I don't know. Trying to, any other any other last minute Christmasness? 
Uh, I don't. I don't think so. I think. I think that's. Uh, I think that's it for Christmas this year. I think we're done. The best thing about Christmas is spiked eggnog. <laughs> and that's what I'll be drinking this year because God knows I'll need it. <laughs> yeah, drink it. Drink it alone. Yeah, baby. All right. Well, yeah, I think they'll do it this week. Uh, have a Merry Christmas. We'll be back for whatever we do for New Year's. We have a lot of excitement about the holidays. Uh, well, hold on. Going oh. forward, because, you know, we can't just end smoothly. <laughs> Either next week or the week after will probably be our Anime Awards podcast. We need the to schedule that. The one where I that. get to nap. What? The one where I get to nap. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll... I'll f- it's, I'm setting it up to where you'll have some input. I mean, fucking, it doesn't. I don't even know why we're doing it because Great Pretender's <laughs> just gonna win everything. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, so that'll be coming up either next week or the week after. Kind of depends. Gunner will probably be back for that, and we're hoping to have someone else as well. Kind of depend you're, on. You're slaving over those nominations. Oh my god, it hurts because this year's been so bad. But um, it hasn't been so bad. It's been okay. We we could, we could damn near do an award show for just the winter season happening now, and it would probably be just as uh, just as good as the whole past year. Oh, the winter season coming up. This is the end of the fall season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you said I thought you were saying of doing awards on this past season. I'm like, this season was yikes. <laughs> no, the one that's starting. Yeah, getting ready to start with yeah. the ten sequels. I can't wait. But anyway, I have prolonged this ending as I always do long enough. <laughs> we will see you next week. I can't say end, end it on just good night because then John Oliver will sue us. So have a Merry Christmas and, well, I can't say Happy New Year yet either. Have a Merry Christmas and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.